Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to worship with you today. For those worshiping online, thank you for joining us. My name is Tim Park. I'm one of the pastors here, and it really is uh, just special to be able to worship together in this space. Uh, I want to take a moment before we open God's Word just to uh, reflect back on last Sunday. Last Sunday was our baptisms and summer barbecue. And yes, uh, we baptized six members of our church. Six members of our local body here at E-Free were baptized. One of those was baptized spontaneously. And it was just a really special uh, morning of baptisms. And then we celebrated with a, a summer barbecue. We had the In-N-Out truck here. We had nachos and boba and a giant water slide. Uh, for those who were here for the second service, it was like standing room only. It was just an amazing day of seeing God at work. And uh, I want to take a moment to thank our staff, our leaders, all our volunteers for the tireless uh, work that they did last week to make that all possible. And so if you see any of our staff members, any of our leaders, or any volunteers anytime today, please go up to them and thank them for making last week so very special. Well, this morning I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4. This morning we're going to be in James 4, verses 13 to 17. And I'm going to read our passage in its entirety. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. This is what James writes. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make it profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. The title of my message this morning is a vanishing mist. A vanishing mist. Our life is like a mist that vanishes. It appears one minute and it's gone the next. And James says that we just don't know what tomorrow will bring. On March 8th of 2020, I stood on this stage and I preached God's word. Now at that time, we were in a series called Greater Than, the Glory of Christ in the book of Hebrews. That was March 8th of 2020. And during my message 16 months ago, I shared about our Easter service, which was to take place five weeks from that point, from March 8th. And it was going to take place at Lower Beer Middle School on their big open field. As you know, March 8th of 2020 was a final time that I preached to you in front of a live congregation on this stage until we got back in here on May 2nd of 2021. That's 14 months between services 
inside our worship center in front of a live congregation. You know, on March 8th of 2020, none of us had any idea what awaited us. None of us knew that we'd be entering a season of life unlike any season we have ever experienced before. And by the way, the season is still not over. We're still in this season. Between March 8th of 2020 and March 15th of 2020, in that one week span, I got to tell you, it felt like a lifetime for me, at least, and I'm sure for many of our leaders, not only in our church, but in churches across our nation and across the world. That one week period between March 8th and then March 15th felt like an eternity trying to prepare to do church a whole new way. Needless to say, Easter in 2020 did not take place at Lorbeer Middle School. It took place online. Many things that we had planned to do did not happen the way we planned to do them. You know, in March of 2020, not many people knew about the name Zoom. But now, Zoom fatigue is a household term. So I want us to consider for a moment. Consider, if you will, the last 16 months. And I imagine most of us, if not every single one of us, can think of at least one major milestone or one major life event that was altered in some way. Think about that. Think of all the significant milestones and events that were altered. Weddings, funerals, graduations, birthdays, vacations, sports. The list goes on and on and on. The way we did work changed overnight. The way we did school changed overnight. Businesses had to adapt. You know, interestingly, in chapter 4, in verses 13 to 17, James is speaking directly to business people. Let's look again at verse 13. James is talking now to those who are in business, wealthy merchants, and he says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Amazing! James wasn't talking about a hypothetical situation. He was talking about the reality of that day. There were many wealthy merchants in that region, and they would travel from port to port, oftentimes in dangerous waters. And they did so, and they risked their own safety in order to get ahead, to succeed, to carry out their business plans, to carry out their business plans. They would out, try to outdo each other, one-up each other. Their mentality was, do whatever it takes to get ahead, to be better than the competition. And James says, 
Be careful. You just don't know what tomorrow will bring. Now, is it only me, but why does it sound like James is writing this letter to us in the 21st century? Why, why does it sound like he's writing this only to us, that God saved this letter uh, for 21 centuries to give it to us? I know that's not the case. God's word is universal. But it's just amazing and remarkable how much this letter speaks to our generation and the generation before ours and before theirs and the generation that will come after ours. Think about this. In chapter 1, James exhorted us to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, right? You've heard it said, right? God gave us two ears and only one mouth, right? So listen twice as much as you speak, at least twice as much, right? And then in chapter 2, James addressed the sin of partiality. He said, do not be prejudiced. Amazing how timely those words are for us today. And then in chapter 3, he said, the tongue is a fire. It is a world of unrighteousness. You know, in the last 16 months, we've seen and heard emotions get the best of people. And then in the next chapter, in chapter, 15, in chapter 5, James will exhort us to be patient. In March of 2020, many people thought that we'd get back to normal in a matter of weeks. Do you know what I, mean? you know what I remember about the week between March 8th and 15th? What I heard from many of my colleagues was this. Let's just adjust for the time being and we'll get back to normal in a matter of weeks. Those weeks turned to months. Those months turned to more months. And now here we are, 16 months later. And so James exhorts us in chapter 5 to be patient. And then here in chapter 4, he exhorts us not to boast in our arrogance. As we've been saying all along in this series, James was influenced by two sources. Remember those two sources? One was Jewish wisdom literature. The other was the Sermon on the Mount. Here in James 4, it sounds so much like the book of Proverbs. In fact, James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And this is what Proverbs 27, verse 1, has to say. It says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. When Proverbs 21 27 verse 1 says, do not boast about tomorrow. The word boast, it comes from a Hebrew word called halel. To boast is halel. It means to praise. When you put the word halel in front of God, you have hallelujah. Praise God. Boast about God. When you praise something, you celebrate it. When you praise something, you make a big deal about it. When you praise something, you are confident in it. We make a big deal about God. So the next time you say, hallelujah, know what you're saying. You're saying, I'm boasting about God for the things he does. Praise you, God. 
That is why we should always praise God and never boast about tomorrow. Because we can never have confidence in tomorrow. Always praise God, never boast about tomorrow. As one author puts it, to boast of tomorrow means trusting in one's own powers and not in God's. The one thing that pastoring through a pandemic has taught me is that there is so much out of our hands, so much out of my hands. That's why we've been saying all along a mindset of flexibility is crucial, not only in this season, but in every season. You know, in the immediate context here in chapter 4, we see this warning to those who put their confidence in the future. This includes business owners. It also includes students. It also includes parents. It also includes church leaders. No matter what stage you're in life you are right now, no matter how young or how old you are right this moment, the one thing that we, are, that we all share in common is this. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Our life is a mist. Do you know the difference between mist and fog? Have you ever thought about that? The difference between mist and fog. Fog is dense. It is thick. There is substance. It sticks around for a while. In fact, fog can even be dangerous. It can cause a chain reaction pileup on the roads. Mist, eh, it's so frail. Mist is frail, it's fragile, it's fleeting. You can see right through mist. There's no substance. It's light and airy, and it disappears just like that. When I go out in the morning for my morning run, I like to take pictures of sunrises. I, I live for sunrises. And so every morning when I go out, I go, I hope there's a good sunrise today. But here's how I know it's going to be a good one or not. You see, because early in the morning, when I step out of my front door and it's still pitch black, I'll look at the sky and I can tell right away if it's going to be a good sunrise or not so good sunrise. Because if there's a thick blanket of fog, I'm like, oh well, keep the phone in my pocket. No use taking a picture. But if it's a nice, misty morning, as I'm driving to my spot, I can see in the, 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 the meadows this nice light mist. I can tell when the sun comes over the hills in the east and the rays hits that mist. It creates this incredibly beautiful atmosphere. But here's the thing. If I don't time it just perfectly, it's over. The mist disappears. The sun gets too high in the sky and that mood, that sunrise is done. That's 
the quality of mist. It's here one second and it's gone the next. And there's a reason why James compares our life to mist. Many people think that if one lives to be a hundred years old, that person has lived a full life. We celebrate those who live to a hundred years old. But consider a hundred years compared to eternity. You know, David understood the brevity of life. I invite you to turn to Psalm 39. Look at Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. And just listen to David's understanding of the shortness of our life here on earth. In Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, the psalmist says this, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. David says that his days are but a few hand breaths. This is an ancient form of measurement. Basically the width of the hand. Those four fingers. That was a hand breath. And he says our days are but just a few of those hand breaths. Job knew the brevity of his own life. He said, my days are like a breath. So, church, if our life is a breath, if it's a mist, and if tomorrow is not guaranteed, then I guess there's no use planning, right? Of course not. Planning is good. Planning is important. But it's the mindset in planning that makes all the difference in the world. Look again at verse 15 in James chapter 4. James says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Now, I want to make sure that we understand what James is not saying here. Okay? Because oftentimes people misunderstand this verse and they kind of misconstrue it. James is not giving us an excuse to neglect our responsibility. Okay, so for you students out there, okay, James isn't giving you a license to say, oh, if the Lord wills, I'm going to pass this test. But if you've never even studied an hour for that test, don't blame God. Oh, if the Lord wills. Or, if the Lord wills, I'm going to get this job. But what if you've been fired from every other job due to lack of good performance? Don't blame God that you don't get a second interview. Oh, if the Lord wills, I'm going to win this lottery. And then I'll give 10% to the church. I imagine that thought has crossed a few minds over the decades. 
This verse has been misconstrued. It's been misunderstood. People have turned it into kind of like this magical formula. If they just walk around, if I just walk around and say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, then everything will be good. It's almost like an abracadabra. If the Lord wills. We want to make sure that we don't turn James 4.15 into a cliché. You see, James 4.15 is not a cliché. It is a mindset. It is a conviction of the heart. And that's why we don't have to go around saying for every single decision in life, oh, if the Lord wills, I'm going to exercise today. If the Lord wills, I'm not going to hit that snooze for the third time. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go to In-N-Out for lunch today. Well, that's always in God's will, all right? Okay. That's always God's will to go to In-N-Out for lunch. But seriously, if James 4.15 is a mindset, and if the mindset in planning makes all the difference, then the question is this, how should we plan? How should we plan? I want to give you three simple principles to follow. We're going to call this how to plan God's way. And I believe we can apply this to every area of our lives. Number one, plan prayerfully. How to plan God's way? Plan prayerfully. Now, I know that we know this in theory. Okay, so this is nothing new to you. But it's good to be reminded of this, to practice this. Because I, for one, I forget to do it practically. I know it in theory. But it's important to be reminded. For those of you in our church who have gone through Rooted, our 10-week discipleship experience, you're familiar with the prayer experience. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But my guess is this. For most of us, throughout the course of any given day, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're used to praying here and there throughout the day, right? We'll spend a few minutes in our daily devotional, and then also maybe two or three times before meals. And then maybe when you're walking out in the neighborhood or jogging, yes, we might spend a few minutes in prayerful thought. That's great. But here's a question for me and for all of us. When is the last time we devoted a solid, uninterrupted time to do absolutely nothing else but to pray? Nothing else. Okay, yes, driving and praying is good, as long as you're praying with your eyes open. That's good, right? Jogging and praying is good. That's a great way to pass the time. But when's the last time we devoted a solid chunk of time to do nothing but pray? With our rooted group, we went through a prayer experience. We gathered together, and then we dispersed into our own spaces. And for a solid one hour, 60 minutes, we devoted that entire time alone with God in prayer. And then we came back together and we shared about that experience. And I got to tell you, both that one hour and the time 
talking about that hour was an incredibly powerful experience. Ask yourself, when's the last time you devoted one solid hour to do nothing but pray? I remember at the beginning of that hour, I had so much on my mind, a lot of big decisions to make about ministry, about things that were ahead of us that year. By the end of that hour, God had answered some of those prayers. All the prayers? No. But some of the prayers? Yes. And if God could answer those prayers in a matter of one hour, imagine what two hours or six hours or an entire evening of prayer could do. You know, Jesus spent the entire evening in prayer because the next morning he had a major decision, the choosing of the 12 apostles. If Jesus felt the need to pray the entire evening, who are we to think otherwise? Do you have a major decision to make in your life? Think about that. Do you have a major plan to put together right now in your life? My guess is this. That decision will impact not only you, but it'll impact your loved ones. It could even change the course of your future. Do you have a major decision in your life right now? Then there's no better way than to start by planning prayerfully. By the way, in case you're wondering, setting aside a solid hour of time to pray, it doesn't mean that you're going to do all the talking. In fact, much of the time, you're going to listen to God. You're going to listen for God. That doesn't mean you're going to listen for an audible voice. But here's what's going to happen. As you grow and mature in your faith, as you learn more about God's will through his word, as you gather together with other like-minded followers of Jesus Christ, what's going to happen is when you go to pray and when you go to listen for God, he'll start to reveal things to you that you've learned before and that he is affirming and confirming and he's directing you. And yes, I understand this. Most of us, in fact, probably all of us, it's going to be very difficult to, difficult to devote an entire hour of prayer every single day. If you can, praise God. Come see me. I want to know your secret. But how about this? My guess is maybe many of us have not even devoted one hour of prayer continuously, maybe ever. So how about this? Maybe this week's schedule, your first ever one hour prayer time sometime in the next month or so. And maybe you might repeat that, whether it be yearly or quarterly. Plan prayerfully. You see, we're so good about making plans, and then at the end, at the very end, we pray and we hope that those plans come true. That's usually the MO, right? We plan, 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 plan. Okay, let's pray now. And we hope that it happens. How about pray, 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 plan, and then pray some more. 
plan it prayerfully. Secondly, how to plan God's way. Prepare obediently. Prepare obediently. Some people like to plan out their future down to the smallest detail. I'm going to go to this college. I'm going to graduate, graduate by this year. I'm going to get a job with a minimum income of this much. I'll get a promotion in this time, and then I'll meet someone. I'll get married by this age, and then I'll have children by this age, and I'll make sure that we space out the kids every 2.5 years. And then those kids are going to grow up, they're going to get married, and then they're going to give me grandkids. And then I'll retire and plant a garden. <laughs> did you notice what those plans did not include? Those plans did not include financial hardship. They didn't include bankruptcy. Those plans did not include a terrible diagnosis from the doctor. Those plans did not include terminal illness. Those plans did not include a family tragedy. Who in the right mind would ever plan a family tragedy? Who in the right mind would ever plan a terminal illness? Those things are never factored into our plans. It's okay to plan. It's good to plan. But only God knows the future. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. That is why we must be obedient to what is right in front of us. If we prepare obediently to those things that are right in front of us, then we will know how to handle those things that come that will just stop us in our tracks, that will change the course of our entire lives. We must submit to the will of God. That's what Pastor Luke taught us last Sunday. You know, Christians who repeatedly make poor choices in life or Christians who repeatedly respond poorly to the hardships of life, they fall into one of two categories. Either they don't know the will of God well enough to make wise choices or to respond properly, or they do know the will of God, but they simply don't obey the will of God. There are many things in life that we just do not know about. So many things about the future we are just not confident in. But if we are obedient to what is right in front of us, we will be prepared to handle all the good and especially the bad that come our way. I have a question for you. Do you ever, do you ever respond with sadness when things don't work out the way you had hoped? Did you know that that's okay? To respond with sadness when things don't work out the way you had hoped, that is okay. In fact, it's not only okay, sadness as an emotion is a healthy part of life. 
Sadness is certainly an important component in the grieving process. Sadness can be a sign of a healthy soul. When you grieve the death of a loved one and you are sad, that sadness is part of a healthy, healing soul. Sadness is not only okay, it is good. But envy and jealousy toward others and anger toward God is not good. Self-pity is not okay. Do you know why? Self-pity is born of pride. All self-pity is born of pride. In the past 16 months, there have been so many missed milestones and celebrations. Every one of us can think of a significant milestone that was missed. And that milestone is the most important thing in your life. In your life, 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 in my life. Every one of those things were significant milestones that we missed. Sadness over those milestones that were missed, that's okay. Maybe you had a 50th wedding anniversary that looked very different than what you had planned. Maybe a retirement party. Maybe a high school graduation. Maybe a wedding. Sadness over those missed milestones, that's okay. Anger and bitterness over those missed milestones is not only not okay, it is sin. Anger and bitterness over missed milestones is sin. Because in essence, what we're doing is we're blaming God for those missed milestones. If in the past 16 months, we found ourselves bitter and envious of others because, well, they got to experience that milestone a couple years ago. Or those people don't get to experience that later on in a couple years when the pandemic is all over. I didn't get to experience that. I missed out on that. That is sin. Anger and bitterness toward others. And jealousy because they got to experience something. And we didn't. That is sin. Because self-pity is born of pride. We needed to check ourselves. If we didn't get to experience something that others got to experience in the past year or two, we need to check ourselves. Hopefully, what the past 16 months have taught us is this. If we are obedient to what's in front of us, we will be prepared to handle what comes our way, both the good and the bad. Prepare obediently. And by the way, can I say this? You may not know this, but just minutes before this service, everything went out.
We couldn't turn the lights on. We couldn't turn the monitor on. The computer had a mind of its own. <laughs> At 8.55, and 56, and 57, and 58, we were running up and down the stairs. But you know what? What was really neat? Everybody involved, everybody involved was calm, cool, collected, because they were well prepared. They prepared diligently. They were prepared for whatever came their way. And eventually the lights came on, right, Eddie? They came on. So thank you. Thank you all to our worship arts ministry for being well prepared. Prepare obediently. And finally, pursue humbly. Pursue humbly. Setting goals and pursuing those goals is not a bad thing. Making a profit in business is not a bad thing. In fact, I hope you make a profit in business. Getting straight A's in school, it's not a bad thing. I hope you get straight A's. Those things are not bad things. But for the follower of Jesus Christ, if the ultimate goal in any endeavor is the promotion of self, to get ahead, to be better than others, then just consider this, that Jesus took the line, that line of thinking, and he turned it on his head. He came to earth. He emptied himself of his privileges. And he died on the cross for us. His mission in life was to do the will of the Father, not his own will. And he could carry out that mission because he had confidence in God. To trust in God is to have confidence in him. We do not plan with confidence. And we pursue with humility. If this season has taught us anything, it's taught us to plan with open hands. Don't tighten your grip on your plans. Open your hands. Be flexible. Since we are not guaranteed tomorrow, and because we are a vanishing mist, let's ask God how he can use us today for his glory. Amen. Would you bow with me? Thank you, God, that you give us breath. And compared to eternity, that breath is very, very brief. But we thank you, God, for that breath anyway. And while we have breath, help us to use that breath to bring glory to you, to shout hallelujah. Praise be to God. We boast in God. We have confidence in you. So thank you for that reminder, because though we do not know what tomorrow will bring, we know that you will be there. And we have confidence because of that. So we give you all glory. We give you all praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.